Greetings, this is Pastor Stan Harvey of the Pentecostals of Sydney. Thank you for joining us on our podcast. It is our hope that this message, whether it be a Sunday service or a midweek lesson, would be a blessing and a help to you in your spiritual journey. Stay connected with us on our website, posydney.com, or on our numerous social media platforms. Now to the service. If you have your Bibles, I trust that you brought it with you. Let's stand for the reading of God's Word. If you're new to church, you're new to Pentecost, uh, this is kind of how what we do. We worship God with song, with praise, and then we, we go to the Word. Somebody preaches the Word. The Bible says the preaching uh, of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us that are saved, it is the power of God. And so... Um, and this is a Pentecostal church, so if you've never been in a Pentecostal church, it's slightly different. Uh, we're a little crazy, but not totally. Um, but you could take your liberty here. You know, the Bible commands us everything we do is scriptural. We clap, we shout, we dance, because that's all in the Bible. Uh, we steer away from things that are not scriptural, uh, but we try to follow as much of scripture. We lift up our holy hands. We shout with victory and rejoicing. We don't scream out of panic. There's a difference between a panic scream and a shout of praise. Okay? Um, and so here, preaching for the Pentecostals, it's, it's more uh, conversational. It's like a dialogue. You know, it's not didactic one way. You know, we say something and you talk back. Uh, the Bible says the promises of God are yea and amen. So when I say amen simply means so be it or it is so. And when I say something that might be truthful, you say, Amen, which means so be it. And you're claiming that for yourself. Amen? So you can do that. And if, if you fall asleep, you can stand to your feet and do cartwheels if you like. But Matthew 6 and 5 to verse 9. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the, in the corners of the streets they may be seen by man. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. Uh, if you're simply praying so that other people see how spiritual you are, that's the only reward you will get is that people see that you're supposed to be spiritual. But when you pray, go into your room. When you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. That's a better kind of reward. I don't want a reward where I get the accolades of mankind. I want the reward where God gives to me. Amen. And when you pray, verse number 7, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father, watch this, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask Him. He already knows what we need before we even open our mouths. And then he says in verse 9, in this manner, therefore, pray. Uh, we might assume that because God already knows everything, what we have need of, that we don't have to pray. He says, because your Father knows it, therefore, pray. And then he gives us the model prayer, the Lord's Prayer, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. I want to talk to you today on this topic in answer to this question, if God already knows 
our needs before we ask, then why pray? And I simply want to tell, title this message in two words because, well, Jesus prayed. Jesus prayed. Amen. Let us do just that and pray. Pray for the ministry of his word. Pray for our hearts that God would open our hearts and God would speak to us. But I also want to ask you if you would agree with me to pray for Sister Vika Momoka in Fiji, Brother Tavita's mother, who's um, got a, a growth in her stomach and she's in a bad way. And we need the Lord to intervene in her life. There's no boundaries to prayer. There's no boundaries to God's power and his spirit. But if we pray, God will hear us. Father, in Jesus' name, we bring before you Sister Vika Momoka back in Fiji. Lord God, has been sent home from the hospital. Lord God, man's ability is limited, but Lord God, there is no limit to your power. All things are possible to them that believe. And so today we're asking you out of your great mercies and compassion that you would heal Vika right now in the name of Jesus. We command that growth to be gone. We command that growth to disappear by the power of the word and the promise of God's word and the authority of the name of Jesus. We speak healing now in Jesus' name. Oh, we thank you, Lord, for your healing touch. We thank you for your power. We ask you, Lord, that you would anoint your servant and your people once again to the glory of God. In Jesus' name, we praise you. Amen. Amen. Would you clap your hands one more time and praise him? Thank you for standing. God bless you. You may be seated. Last week, we looked at the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept, and how that it is descriptive of the humanity of Christ. And that Jesus was God manifest in flesh. According to 1 Timothy 3.16, he was the Word. The Word was God. Therefore, God was made flesh and dwelt among us. He was very God and very man. Jesus wept, and Jesus also cried. Now, prior to the mid-19th century, the world communicated remotely only by letter. If you can just imagine, over 150 years ago, if you wanted to send a message to somebody in the other city or other town, you had to get ink on paper, give it to somebody who would take it on a horseback or horse and carriage and would drive on a horse back for hours, if not days, even weeks. That's where the, the Pony Express came from. Uh, and so it, it was a very, very isolated world. We couldn't communicate with one another uh, very, very frequently, and it was arduous. It was uh, very difficult. But then in 1843, a man by the name of Samuel Morse built a telegraph system uh, the, the first one, on May 24th, 1844, the first message was sent from Washington, D.C. to Baltimore, Maryland. And the message in the telegraph, and of course, he invented Morse code. Morse code is the, the sounds, the beeping that you make uh, that would spell out words or letters. And, and the first message that was sent was, what hath God wrought? What has God done? And of course... Uh, uh, th this was revolutionary in the world. It changed the course of history. And then shortly after that, in 1876, the telephone would be invented, 
And again, this would transform the way that a society functioned. And then you go into the 20th century. In the last 120 years, uh, it brought an acceleration of technological advancement that would bring us the radio, the television, uh, telex machines. Anybody know what a telex machine is? You remember those? We, we used to have one in our house back in the 80s when we were living in Sri Lanka at the time. Uh, we had an office and home, and these messages would come out, out of a ribbon, and you would read the little ribbon of a little message in there, a telex from across the world. And as a little kid, I was thinking, man, that's amazing. A, a words, messages getting sent. And then, you know, they have fax machines. How many still has a fax machine today? You know, on our letterhead, we still have our fax number in there. We still have a fax machine, but I can't remember the last time the fax machine was ever used. But, but remember, we used to operate all the time in the offices with fax machines. They're, they were considered legal documents back in those days. But then the Internet came along, and it changed the whole game. The, the ball game changed. Everything was transformed. We could, we could send instant messages halfway across the world, anywhere in the world. And then uh, they came up with smartphones, smartphones where you, you have your emails in there. You have instant messaging where you've got your banking in there. I, I, I'm, I'm sorry, some of you younger generation, I still can't use my phone to pay for things. It just feels weird to me. I'm, I'm old school. I, you know, I, I'm barely using a card, and, you know, I see these young people using their phones to tap and stuff, and I know I'm, I'm, an, I'm a dinosaur to some of you, but, but it's incredible how much our technology has advanced so quickly to where we can communicate at, at the, the push of a button, and within our hands, we have the grasp to, to every aspect of life. You know, we have satellite connectivity giving us immediate GPS locations and so on. But I want you to understand that despite all of that, that, there is still nothing that can compare to the immediate, instant communication that we have with God. God has given us something so simple, and yet it is so powerful and profound that you can open up your mouth and begin to talk to God. You, you remember the old days, you know, remember Maxwell Smart and he had the red telephone to the president or something like that or, or the commissioner ringing up Batman on the, they had the immediate hotline, you know, the, the president in the Oval Office had the red phone. It was like, oh man, he's got access to anyone in the world. That, you know, that, that means nothing. But you know what, what we have today, we've got instant access anywhere in the world. You, you, there's never any problem with his network coverage. There's never any issues. You don't have to sign a contract, amen. You don't need to have a device. You, you, all you've got to do is simply open up your mouth, open up your heart, and we've got the ability to talk to the King of kings, to the Lord of lords. Oh, hallelujah. Can I tell you what we have in the grasp of our hands is the most powerful tool. It's better than the latest iPhone. It's better than the best network coverage you can get. You, No matter where you are, no matter what time of the day, what time of night, regardless of where you are in the world, you've got access. You've got a communication line that's... Oh, come on, somebody. Remember that old song we used to sing, Jesus on the main line, tell him what you want. I want you to know, don't discount the simplicity. Don't discount the accessibility that you have with God. Prayer is the most powerful thing. Oh, hallelujah. 
And let me just stay here for a little while. Can I tell you that what God gave to us are some of the most simplest things? He gave us some very simple things. He saved us by his grace. Salvation is by grace through faith. And remember, faith is our responsibility, not God's responsibility. But he gave us, he paid the price for us by going to the cross, shedding his blood, dying for our sins. And he gave us the power for salvation, the ability to, to have our life renewed again. You can start all over again. I don't know what kind of life you live, but I come to tell you that you can be born again. Amen. You can start your life. Well, that's why Jesus said, except a man is born again, you can start all over again. Oh, hallelujah. I'm getting too excited at the moment. I'm sorry. I don't know where to go. I got so many directions to go right now. But, but here's what God, he gave us some simple things. And don't discount simplicity for weakness. Don't, don't, don't denigrate simplicity for something that is weak or useless. But here, what God gave us, he, he didn't make it complicated for us to be able to access salvation and access power. He made it so simple. He didn't say, okay, well, you know, when you, when you can solve the magic riddle and when you can cross the seven seas or, or you, can, you can fulfill like the, the ten labors of, of Hercules or whatever, then you can have access to God. Or He didn't say, well, you know, when, once you've, you've made a million dollars, then you can have God. No, he made it so simple. He gave us the simplest things he said if you want his grace you can access it by faith faith you're just somebody scratching their head oh it's one of those religious terms it's one of those uh, christian jargon that i'm not used to no everybody has faith since you were a child you had the ability to believe come on you remember i know some of your faith maybe it's taken a shot here and there because your mom and dad promised you that they'll pick you up and they never came and yet you still believed that they were coming to you can i tell you it's the same if you can simply believe something that every human being has the capacity to do if you can believe and have faith you can have access to the grace of God to the power of God hallelujah aren't you glad he made it simple aren't you glad he made it so simple for us to understand it's not a mathematical equation it's not some abstract concept for you to get God but if you can simply believe and have faith oh hallelujah then you can be saved your life can be transformed it's so simple. The next thing he said, if you want to be saved, Jesus said, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Uh, that's what John the Baptist preached. When he came on the scene, he said, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. When Peter stood up on the day of Pentecost, the first message he preached, he said to them, repent and be baptized. What's repentance? Oh, it's another one of those religious words. It's one of those, one of those theological terminology that I don't understand. No, repent simply means to change your mind you don't have to go to university you don't have to go to theological seminary to change your mind you do it every day amen yeah you're driving to McDonald's and you change your mind I think I'll go to where the burgers are better at Hungry Jack's 
That's all repentance is, is change your mind. You're living your life, and all of a sudden you hear the gospel, and you change your mind and decide, I'm going to follow you. It's not complicated. It's very simple. You can make up your mind. You can make up a decision to say, God, I'm turning my life towards you. Oh, hallelujah. And that simple decision, let me tell you, it's so powerful. It can change your life. It can change the trajectory of your circumstance. Hallelujah. I'm sorry for shouting. I, I got to calm down. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not always like this. Well, mostly like this. It's so simple. That it, we have access to the power of the Almighty to forgive us of our sins, to change our life, not by some abstract, complicated mathematical formula, but something that we do every day. Amen. Repent. And then he says, if you want to have your sins removed, he says, you've got to be baptized in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, baptism. It's one of those religious things, right? It's one of those theological things. Ooh, the word baptism, that's kind of scary. No. When, when, when John the Baptist started preaching about baptism, they understood what he meant. Because it was simply symbolic that was reflective of something that they did all the time. Well, maybe not every day. But they took a bath. It's like having a bath. But when you get baptized in Jesus' name, we use the word baptism and not have a bath because you're not cleansing the skin on your body. We're not, you know, if you step in the water, we're not going to give you a loofah or a scrub and say, here, scrub your back and get this, the grime off. No, but the concept is very simple. It's like taking a bath for your soul. That's why the Bible says, Peter said in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, repent, every one of you, that's everyone, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. you got to have the name, and you shall, your sins will be remitted. Your sins will be washed away. Just like he said in Acts 22 and 16, it washes away your sins supernaturally. There's nothing magical about the water. There's nothing mystical about the water. But simply stepping in by faith as if you were taking a bath, but you're taking a bath for your soul, that when you come up out of the water, oh, your soul is washed. Your soul is clean. <laughs> Hallelujah. It is so simple. It's repentance, faith, repentance, baptism in Jesus' name. And if you can receive that promise today, your life can be transformed. You can be born again of water and of the Spirit, and your life will be new. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. It is so simple. Such a simple concept. And then the Bible says you will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And how Jesus described it, he said, if anyone is thirsty, let him come. And what do you do when you're thirsty? You take a drink. He says, you come and take a drink. Simple. And he said, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. When you start to take a drink, the rivers will begin to flow out of you. That, that's some kind of quenching, folks. 
Amen. I, I don't know about you, but I remember my life before Christ. It was empty. It was dry. It was parched. But the very first night I came to this Pentecostal church, I didn't know anything about Pentecost. I didn't grow up in this thing. But when I came to the altar simply out of obedience, I wasn't even sure. But I went. And when I started to drink, they said, come and take a drink. Out of me, rivers of living water. And I was filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And I would never be the same again. Again, can I tell you, there's nothing that can compare to the Holy Spirit of God. There's nothing that can come close to the infilling of God's Spirit. That's why we had taken all those drugs and drank all that alcohol to try and feel, but we could never feel. Oh, but when God filled us with his Holy Spirit, it transformed us. Hallelujah. Glory to God. The Holy Ghost. You take a drink all the time. Imagine going half a day without drinking any water. A day, two days. We've gone through a whole life without having the Spirit of God to quench our parched souls. Dry and thirsty hearts. God gave us all of these simple things. The simplicity. Life is simple, folks. There's, there's not a myriad of choices that you have. Oh, I don't know what to choose. There's so many choices. It's like going to, to the, you know, chemist choosing your, your uh, toothpaste. Like, which one? They, they all look so different. It's owned by only two companies. <laughs> but life is simple. Either you're going to go to church or you're not. Simple as that. Either you're going to live for God or you're not. There's not, it's not Baskin Robbins with 31 choices. It, it's, Either you're going you're gonna to live for God or you're not. Either you're going to sin or you're not. Life is simple, not always easy. I admit, life is hard. Living for God can be hard. It can be. But when you're living hard for God, I believe it comes easy. I believe that. I can testify... When you live hard for God, no matter what comes your way, it's not going to move you because you're holding on to him for dear life, because you're pursuing after him. If God is just your accessory, your, your side thing, your once a week thing, if God is just that, yes, it will be hard. Yes, it's going to be tough. And there will be moments you're empty. But listen to me. When you're holding with both hands and saying, God, I'm running after you with everything that I've got, with a fire in my belly, I'm going to chase after you like you are my number one. I'm telling you, no matter what hell comes into your life, you're going to stand. You're going to say, come on, devil, give it to me. I've got God on my side. Hallelujah. Okay, I've got, I got five minutes. Uh, let me get to my sermon. And there's perhaps nothing as simple as prayer. Prayer is simply talking. And there's, there's some people here who love to talk. Some people here who don't know how to stop talking. They talk so much, they end every sentence with the word end. <laughs> you know who you are. <laughs> I 
But I must admit, the prayer is a struggle. The struggle is real. I'm, we're, we're like each other. We're like Elijah, who had just as many passions and weaknesses as we do. And perhaps one of the reasons why we struggle in prayer is because of that, that verse of Scripture that Jesus had spoken in, in that verse of Scripture where he said, your father already knows what you have need of before you ask. And so logically in our brains, if God already knows what we have need of before we ask, why do we need to ask? Right? We, we ask that question. And we would, through just our logical minds, after that verse of Scripture, we would have expected Jesus to say, your father already knows what you have need of before you ask, so no need to ask. He didn't say that. He says, your father already knows, therefore, ask. Pray. Prayer is so simple, yet it is the answer to all of our problems. It is the discipline that requires of us. And so I want to ask you, if Jesus called us to pray, why is it that we don't pray? Remember what he said. Here's probably one of the reasons why many of us have, uh, sitting in this room today, there's a whole bunch of unanswered prayers. There's a whole bunch of people, well, I prayed but never got it. So he, here's, here's a little, here's something to help you, okay? Uh, Jesus didn't say, your father already knows what you want before you ask. He says, your father already knows what you have need of. So he's not always going to answer your wants. Sometimes he does. Oh, yes, I can testify. Amen. And he does give us some things that we would like. But, but that's not always. The Bible says every good and perfect gift comes from above, right? But he doesn't promise to give us our wants, but he promises to give us all of our needs. And the reason for that, brothers and sisters, is because sometimes the things that we want are not always good for us. Sometimes the things that we want from God, he knows that uh, it's not going to be good for our spiritual welfare. It's not going to be good for us in eternity. Amen. Sometimes we ask God, you know, I, I would really love that Ferrari. You know, the preacher said, if I ask, I'm going to receive. And that'd be now, okay, maybe not the Ferrari. Man, I'll just get the Tesla. Just give me a Tesla, Lord. I'll be fine. And God said, well, you, you want that, but you don't need that. You, you get a Toyota. You're just, because God knows if, you, if I gave you what you want, if I gave you a Ferrari or a Tesla, you're going to drive on a Sunday right by the church and go straight to... Go straight to somebody's house and show them, look at my new car. Amen. He doesn't always give us what, what we want, but let me tell you, he will give to us whatever you have need of to make sure you make it in this world to make sure that you will be successful in living for God. Hallelujah. Sometimes he does give us what we want if it's not detrimental to our souls. But if it is, he'll say no, but he'll give us whatever we need. If you need that house, that job, that food, whatever it is, he will provide. He will not see his children. Oh, hallelujah, begging bread. 
so you can rejoice. Even if you don't have that dream house, dream home, dream job, dream wife, it doesn't matter. You've got everything that you need. If you're praying, you don't need those things. You might want them, but you don't need them. Hallelujah. I'm sorry, if you're a prosperity doctrine proponent, this is not going to be nice for you. Uh, we don't believe in prosperity doctrine. We believe that God prospers us. And he answers every prayer, but sometimes the answer is no. And I think we can deal with no. No is fine. What we can't deal with is the no answer. The, the disregard, what, what C.S. Lewis says, the disregard of God. That it seems like he doesn't care because our prayers are not answered. I tell you, our prayers are always answered. Usually three answers. Yes, no, or wait. Amen. The Bible says, my God shall supply all your needs. Hallelujah. That doesn't mean you don't ask for stuff. Yeah, you want to get that CEO job, you ask God. God, let me get that promotion. And God said, okay, well, you go study first. <laughs> get qualified. No, he does answer, absolutely. But please, please, you've got to hold intention. This is attention now. Attention to manage. That we pray for whatever it is we need, but we also know and understand that God doesn't want to give us everything. It's not going to be good for us. The prayer of an unknown Confederate soldier is set in bronze in the lobby of the Institute of Physical Rehabilitation in New York City. And, and the prayer goes like this. He said, he writes, he says, I asked God for strength that I might do greater things. I was made weak that I might learn to humbly obey. I asked for help that I might do greater things. I was given infirmity that I might do better things. I asked for riches that I might be happy. I was given poverty that I might be wise. I asked for power that I might have the praise of men. I was given weakness that I might feel the need for God. I asked for all things that I might enjoy life. I was given life that I might enjoy all things. I got nothing I asked for, but everything I had hoped for. Almost despite myself, my unspoken prayers were answered. I am among all men most richly blessed. Amen. Okay, so I've got to hurry. I've got a few quick points, and then I'm, I'm going to be done. If God already knows what our needs are, why pray? We pray, number one. I've got a few points. I promise I'll hurry. We pray to open the doors of our hearts to an invisible God. When you pray, something within you as closed as your heart and your mind has been all week, when you decide at that moment when you pray, it opens your heart to the possibility of the miraculous and your heart to God. That's why the Bible says when Jesus was teaching about the power of one, the, the one lost sheep, how the shepherd would go. And then he says at the end of that parable, he says, there is joy in the heaven when one sinner repents over 99 just persons who don't need repentance. 
He, he, God is more happy with one person repenting than a whole hundred, almost a hundred people that don't need to repent, that are righteous. Why? I don't know why exactly, but I believe it's because perhaps that, that person, that sinner, has been walking their lives, living their lives their whole time, never once opening their heart to God. But then one day they hear the message of the good news. Something speaks to their heart and they decide. And sometimes it's when they hit rock bottom. Amen. Somebody said when you hit rock bottom, you have no other option but to look up. Amen. That, that's what happened to me. How I came to God was because I, my life was so messed up that I actually opened my mind and my heart. I humbled myself from the pride that I had. Listen, pride will always close the door to the miraculous. Pride will always shut God out. But if there is something, and then when that sinner, all of a sudden he hears the good news, he repents and he turns to God. He opens his heart. It allows for God to be able to come in. And oh, it opens that door for the Lord to work in their lives. That's why it throws God a party. When one sinner repents, there's a, a rejoicing in the heavens. There's a party among God's angels when that sinner opens up their hearts and allows God to come in. We can reopen that. And, and so often life has a way of just kind of beating us down to where we shut off, to where we become, we become resentful and we become hardened and we become stubborn and our hearts are closed. But the moment you decide I'm going to pray, it opens a little bit the heart. And I'm not saying that you've got to know everything, that you've got to have 100% convinced that God is real, even if you're not sure. Maybe it's just 10%. But listen to me, if with that 10% you decide, to open up your heart and your mind and said, I don't know about this thing. Maybe this, I don't know what this preacher's talking about. I don't know if he's, what he's telling is true, but I'm going to give it a try. I'm going to open my heart. And God, if you are real, why don't you come into my life? I promise you, if you make that prayer today, God will come into your life. He will help you. He will empower you. He'll see you through every storm. Hallelujah. Glory to God. That's why when you remember Moses, the story of Moses, he was just, uh, the Bible says he saw a bush that was on fire, but it wasn't burning up. This is something weird. And the Bible says when he, when he turned to look, he wasn't sure what this was, but when, as soon as he turned to look, then that's when the voice came from the bush. That's when the voice came from the fire. If he simply went on his way and ignored it and kept on with his journey, God would have never spoken to him. But because out of his desire to expose and to explore, he turned. And when he turned, God's voice spoke. Listen to me. God will not make anybody do anything. He's not going to force you to follow him. He's a gentleman. But if there's some inkling deep down in your spirit, maybe it's just 5% of knowledge. If that 5%, Yes, I'm going to check it out. I'm going to find out more about this God. I promise you, you will see the hand of God. Okay, I, I've got to hurry. I've got six more points and I've got one minute. Number two, prayer is a doorway to worship God. When you open your mouth, you worship the Lord. Okay, I'll move on to the next one. Number three, we pray so we can confess our sins. There's something powerful about confession. He waits for us to confess our sins. When we pray, 
we're able, we have this ability to take the guilt and the shame that we've been carrying under this heavy load and say, God, here it is. I'm sorry. I repent. And when you do, there's a wonderful exchange. He takes our sins. He takes our guilt and our shame, and he gives us forgiveness, a clear conscience. Amen. That's why the Bible says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us. It's not until we confess. Forgiveness will not happen unless we talk to God, unless we open our mouth. That's why this is so powerful. That's why prayer is so liberating. It's so empowering because anybody can do it. And when you confess, you don't have to go home carrying those same sins. You can walk away a new person. You can walk away from this place renewed. Hallelujah. Confession is so powerful. When we can do that, we're the only creatures in this world that has the ability to do that. Amen. To look at our hearts and confess. If God already knows what our needs are, why pray? We pray so that we can have a sense of the presence of God. When you shut off from the world, you close your eyes in prayer. You enter into a dimension that, as it were, suspended between heaven and earth. You, you, you are entering into a place, as it were, where it's almost like it's outside of time, where God comes in. That, that's exactly what happened with, with, a, with Jacob in the book of Genesis chapter 28 when he was running away from his brother Esau. You remember the story. He was afraid for his life, so he runs to his uncle Laban's place. He finds he couldn't get there in time and has to make camp somewhere in the middle of the desert, in the middle of the wilderness. And as he's there, he finds a stone for a pillow. He sleeps on that and has the most amazing supernatural dream. God visits Jacob in a dream. And he sees a vision of, of angels ascending and descending on this ladder. And, and the Bible tells us in Genesis, Genesis 28 and verse 16, here's what Jacob said. He says, when he awoke out of sleep, he said, surely the Lord is in this place. And I knew it not. Hallelujah. He says, God is here. And all this time, I didn't even know it. I was not conscious. I was not spiritually perceptive to the reality of God who is in this place. I wonder how many of us here today have walked on and we continue to walk in our lives even when we've been filled with the Holy Ghost and we don't recognize that He is here. He says, I did not know it. He was afraid and said, how dreadful is this place? This is none other but the house of God and this is the gate of heaven. Where was that? That was in the middle of nowhere. That was in the desert. In the wilderness. And yet something happened to him that would cause him to be aware of the presence of God. Oh, that's my prayer here today, brothers and sisters. That we would get an awareness that God is here, even though we didn't know it. Did you come in the house of God this morning expecting that God was going to be here? Or did you just expect just to go to church? It's what I do every Sunday. He's here. He's here. Oh, hallelujah. I've got to hurry. Why pray if God already knows? Prayer gives us a chance to commit and recommit our lives to God. We have an opportunity 
our, our commitments to God are constantly being bombarded, being drawn away by the things of this world. That's why when we pray, we, you can recommit. Say, God, here I am. I'm here again I, every day. And, and number six is the second last. We pray because we give God authority and permission to enter our lives. I, I'm, I'm, I'm hurrying. Genesis chapter 1, very first chapter, the first book. Here's what God said. He said, let us make man, Genesis 1 and 26, in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing, and creepeth the, the creeps upon the earth. Could it be that the reason why God calls us to pray and to prayer is because he has given us authority. He gave mankind authority over this world. He gave us autonomy, which is authority over our own lives. This is, this is the gift that God has given humanity, the gift of free will, that he will allow, allow people to walk straight into the jaws of hell to be damned for eternity before he will stop them and, and make them change their will. Such is his commitment to free will that God will not force anybody in this house, anybody in this world to follow him. He will allow his children to walk away. And I believe with tears running down his eyes where Jesus did weep before he will violate this wonderful gift of free will. And he gave us free will because the Bible says God is love. And there is no love without free will. You can't, you, can't, you can't love the same. You can't love a robot the same as another human being. You can't, you can't, you know, you, you hear these stories of people locking up people, abducting people, locking them in the basement. There's no love there. They might have kept them, but there will never be any real loyalty or love. That's why he gave us free will, because of love. And the reason why he answers prayer and he commits his will to prayer is because he will not violate free will. He will not take our authority away from us. But the moment we open our mouths, the moment we open our hearts, we invite him. We say, Lord, we want you to come into my circumstance. I want you to come into my life, and I want you to do something to help me. And when we do, I promise you, your God will always say, I'll be happy to help you. I'll be happy to step in. One brother in the first service today sitting over there received the gift of the Holy Ghost. God came in and stepped into his life when he opened, simply opened his heart. That's why God will not act. He even allowed the children of Israel to, to go into slavery in Egypt. You know the story in Exodus. He allowed them to become slaves for hundreds of years. Yes, his people he allowed them to become relegated to, to a third or fourth class citizen. And God doesn't set them free even when their life is so hard with bondage. They, they're having to make their own bricks building the cities of, of Python and Ramses. And God doesn't do anything for hundreds of years. Until the Bible tells us in Exodus that the cry of the children of Israel went up before the Lord. And it was only then, only when their cries went up before God, that God began to set in motion a series of events, including calling a man by the name of Moses to set his people free. 
Can I tell you, he will allow us to live in bondage. He will allow us to live in misery and depression until we open up our mouths and say, God, we want you. We give you authority over our lives. We give you authority to step in and to help us. Oh, I've come to preach to this church. Prayer changes things. Prayer changes things. Prayer. God commits himself to the hands and the prayers of his people. Oh, hallelujah. Prayer changes things. It's a little bit like... Like if you, if you rent a property, you don't own the property, but you sign an agreement with the landowner that you're going to rent the property. Amen. He, he's the owner, but you're leasing it. And so the owner can't just come into your house whenever you want. If you're at work and look through your drawers and stuff, that's kind of weird. He doesn't have the authority. He would be violating the law because he gave us, the, the, the law says that you have as a lease uh, a less leasee, whatever you call it, uh, the person leasing, you know. Uh, lesser, greater, lesser. You have authority of the house. But when the landowner says, listen, uh, uh, the, the homeowner says, I, I want to come and inspect. He says, okay, well, we'll make a time. We organize. And you open the door. You let that homeowner come in and inspect the house. That's exactly what happens when we pray. God says, I own everything, but, but you have autonomy over your life. And I'm not just going to come into your life and make change. Even though I already know what needs you have, I already know what needs you have in your life before you ask it. But when you do, unless you open up your mouth, I will not come in. I'm the gentleman. I'm not going to barge down the door. I'm not going to kick the door down and say, hey, I own everything. No. But when you say, well, come in, Father. Come in, Lord and Savior. You own my life. You own it all. will come in and change. I, I can hand this mic to every other person in this church sitting here today. I know you all could testify of how prayer changed things. It transformed your life. Hallelujah. Sometimes, yes, you got to wait. Sometimes it doesn't happen all the time. Just like with, with Daniel, the Bible says the moment that he prayed, there was no answer until about three weeks later when Michael came through. And, and you know what Michael told him? Listen, the moment you decided to pray, God already uh, sang, he already released the order, the answer to your prayer. He goes, I just got hindered by some spiritual uh, warfare that was happening. Listen, the moment you open up your mouth, God's already heard you. He's already listening to you. Oh, I, I can go on and on about prayers. It's a little bit like, you know, Amazon. When you order something from Amazon, as, you, as soon as you press return, enter, you've got your credit card details in there. It's too late. It's over. But as soon as you press that button, something happens in, in cyberspace, and it goes immediately. And before you know it, you know, it's at your door. Your prayer, but sometimes prayer can be hindered. Sometimes your answers to your prayer come, takes a little time, but don't give up praying. Daniel didn't stop. He, for three weeks, he continued to pray and to fast. He didn't know when the answer was going to come, but there was something happening in the heavenlies, and God was helping. And perhaps it was his prayer that was helping Michael come through to be victorious. Don't give up praying for your loved ones. Don't give up praying for your children. Might take a little while, but if you keep at it, 
God will help you. It will come in his time. Our musicians, if you come, I've got to stop. Hallelujah. Something so simple. I wonder what would happen, and here's my challenge for you today. I wonder what would happen if you prayed one hour every single day. And I do admit sometimes, you know, prayer is not always, you know, I feel like I'm praying to the wall at times. I do feel that sometimes. I feel like my, my words are just hitting the roof of my mouth and falling to the floor. There are times when you pray, there's just a breakthrough. What would happen if you prayed an hour every day? How would it change your life? I want to propose a challenge to somebody here today. That you would do that. Give yourself, immerse yourself in prayer. And come back to me in a year's time. And let's see what your life is like. That would be different. And again, prayer is not to earn salvation. Prayer is a relationship with God. So the question, if God already knows what needs we have, before we even ask him why pray, here's a final, final thought. Simply because Jesus prayed. If there's ever anybody that did not need to pray, it was God in flesh. The Bible says he was the word made flesh. John 1, 1 and 14. The beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. The word God was made flesh and dwelt among us. 1 Timothy 3.16, without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. That was Jesus. That's Jesus Christ. He says, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. If he had all power, why would he need to pray? If there's anybody that never needed to pray, it would have been Jesus. But you read the Gospels. Nobody prayed more than the Son of God. Nobody prayed he, he prayed at his baptism. He prayed at the, uh, the tomb of Lazarus. He prayed everywhere he went. He prayed him when he was feeding the multitude with a few loaves and a few fish. He prayed all night long. He went away to a desert place and prayed. He prayed so earnestly the sweats of blood came from out of his skin. Even when he was on the cross, he prayed. That's why when he went to minister to people, he didn't pray, oh, God, open their eyes. He simply said he spoke the eyes to be opened. He simply spoke to the deaf ears. He simply, he simply told them, get up from your lame uh, situation. He simply, he didn't have to have, he didn't say, okay, disciples, let's hold hands. Let's sing kumbaya. Let's... No, you know why? Because he prayed in secret. And he walked out in the open through the authority and the power of God. And he simply spoke to the circumstance. I wonder how our life, I wonder how our life would be if we, you know, we, 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 we pray this much and we work this much. What if we inverted it? What if we prayed this much? How much more would we need to work? Jesus was immersed, baptized in prayer. If anybody that never needed to, it was him. God is calling us, folks, to talk with him. You can talk with him anytime, 
any place. You can talk to him in your devotion. You ought to have a devotional time. But don't leave God in your devotion and live the rest of your life. No, you got to be talking with him throughout the day. Let your heart be in a spirit of prayer. Here's what Paul said. Pray without ceasing. Would you stand to your feet? I, I've got to stop. But I wonder today if you would do just exactly what I, I've been talking about. I know I've gone a bit too long today, but he's got the funds, but he needs your authorization. Authorization is through prayer to come into your life to help you. Jesus said, if you ask, you will receive. If you seek, you will find. If you knock on the door, it shall be opened. You have not because you ask not. The word, uh, the word asking starts with A. The word seeking starts with S. And the word knocking starts with a K. What does that spell? Ask. Ask him. Talk to him. Just as Jesus did. Whatever your needs are today, I believe God can meet it. You need the gift of the Holy Ghost. You need to repent of your sins, to confess your sins to God. You don't have to do it to man. You can confess it to God. God will forgive you. If you've not been baptized, we've got water, plenty of water to baptize you. In Jesus' name. If you've not received the gift of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues, you can receive that experience today by simply asking. If you think you're not going to get it, you're not going to even bother, then that's what exactly what you get. But if there's a little faith in somebody's heart and you're willing to ask God, he can transform you, change you, change your circumstance, work on your behalf, empower, anoint, and enable you. You'll never be the same again. Would you pray? Lift your voices all over this house in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for your presence. Thank you for your power that's here today. Thank you for what you have done in the midst of us. Lord God, we're opening our mouths out of, out of the abundance of our heart. It is speaking to talk to you, to give you praise and glory, to worship you, the only one worthy of all worship. Lord God, to confess our sins, to recommit our lives into your hands, to open a door, Lord God, for you to enter into our hearts, that you would change us as we dwell within you, as we abide in you, as we walk with you. I pray, God, today that you would work in us, heal, deliver, set free in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I've got to stop, but I believe God is working here. If you want something from the Lord, why don't you come out of your seat to this altar and begin to pray and ask the Lord. Whatever your needs are, if you need healing, if you need the gift of the Holy Spirit, if you need his promise for deliverance, for provision, he already has, knows what you need, but he's waiting for you to ask. He's waiting for you to verbalize, to share your heart, to unload before God. Hallelujah. The Spirit of the Lord is here, ready to meet with you if you are willing, even if it's just an inkling of faith. You may not be 100% convinced, but if there is just a seed of, of faith, of possibility, I want to invite you to step out of your seats. Take a step of faith. And ask the Lord, ministers and leaders are coming to pray together with you. And they're going to minister and pray with you for God to do something when you pray together with somebody. The agreement is guaranteed that God will answer. He promised it. Let's follow him today. Let's pray. Please, Lord.
to the master. Oh, have a talk, have a little talk with Jesus. out to him. That's it. He's moving in this house. He's moving in your heart. Connect group leaders, leaders' wives. 